This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities. Coming to you from Thorn Harbour Health's headquarters on Wurundjeri Country, I'm your host, Jacqueline Jan, and joined this week in studio by Rachel Cook. Hello, Rachel. Hello, it's been a while since we've done a show together. It's been a while. There have been, I, I think it's fair to say, a few things going on at Thorn Harbour Health. A few things going on. You've been away as well. Uh, that as well. Um, I, I, one, one trip to Japan in a year wasn't enough for me. I had to go back a second time. Um, that's something else, though. We've got a really full show this week. Who have we got coming up? Well, we'll be chatting with Dr. Ruth McNair, who many listeners will be familiar with. Ruth is from the University of Melbourne, and we'll be speaking with Ruth about the Australian Lesbian Medical Association Conference, which is coming up next week, um, talking a bit about its history and this year's theme, which is authenticity, keeping it real. That's all coming up this episode on Well, Well, Well. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. We're now speaking with Dr. Ruth McNair. Ruth is an honorary associate professor at the Department of General Practice, University of Melbourne, and a general practitioner at one of Inner Melbourne's general practices. She has clinical and research interests in lesbian and bisexual women's mental health, sexual health, same-sex parenting, trans and gender diverse affirmation, and LGBT healthcare and homelessness. And she also became a member of the Order of Australia on the Queen's Birthday Honours in 2019 for significant service to medicine and as an advocate for the LGBTI community. Thanks for joining us, Ruth. Thanks, no worries. Now, we're talking today about the ELMA conference, which is the Australian Lesbian Medical Association conference, but also it is for LBQ uh, women and people who identify as non-binary. Can you tell us a bit about the history of ELMA and what, what is it and why did it form? Yeah, well, we started in about 1999 when Carol Booth, who's a GP in New South Wales, decided that she wanted to meet other lesbian doctors. So she had a conference like you do because you're a doctor. Um, we got together in New South Wales, about 20 people there with partners, some partners. It was just a real hoot. You know, we had a great time talking to each other. No holes to a bard. Like, we just kept talking for the whole weekend. Um, and it was clear to us that lesbian doctors at that point, we were only lesbian, were in desperate need of finding each other and comparing notes and supporting each other because medicine is not a very user-friendly specialty or profession for us. Um, so we formed the organisation at that meeting and it's grown ever since. I mean, we've had annual conferences ever since then, so we're up to about 24 now. And it just is a really important uh, event for us. Yeah. You spoke a little bit there, Ruth, about, I suppose, um, the desire to kind of meet up with other, at that time, lesbian doctors. I suppose around that knowledge sharing, um, why was there uh, such a need for an organisation like this? Well, I think most of us talked about the fact that we didn't feel comfortable in medicine. It was very 
patriarchal, very heterosexual, very masculine driven profession. Um, and I mean, women generally often don't feel that comfortable, but you know, as lesbians, and there were a few bi women at that first conference too, you know, we just felt like we didn't fit. Um, many people had had experiences of discrimination in medicine, trying to get up the career path um, became difficult as, uh, as people came out. So, you know, that was a really shared experience with everyone. Um, and, you know, even now when loads of medical students come to our conferences now and they all talk about the same thing even 23 years later, um, it still feels really difficult to be out in the, in the profession. Um, and so we sort of do a lot of supporting and sharing of that and working out how we can safely exist in medicine and also be ourselves. Um, obviously, you talked about how the, the conference was how it all started and the conferences are, are, are still going. How often do the conferences happen? Uh, yeah, once a year. Uh, through COVID, we did it online, but now we're thankfully back in person. And we just move around Australia. We've had them in New Zealand as well now. We do have New Zealand membership too. So we just try to find a really nurturing space for ourselves, somewhere that's private and comfortable, uh, got a nice, usually a nice view or something enjoyable to do. So, you know, it's designed as a, a bit of a sharing, caring experience as well as now we have a pretty big um, program of scientific uh, issues as well. So it's a nice combination actually. How many people um, come along these days? Well, this year in Melbourne we've got about 90 people coming. That's going to be our biggest ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the membership list is about 200 plus people, uh, which varies you know this year we've got lots more medical students who've come across us because we've got a fantastic med student uh, Daphne who's been spruiking all over Australia and New Zealand so you know I think this is very good to see that we're a growing organization and still still needed. Can you tell us a little bit about the theme for the conference this year Ruth I believe it's authenticity keeping it real. Yeah well you know I mean every year we have this Inevitably, some discussion around whether we can be both ourselves, our diverse sexual and gender selves, and doctors. Uh, and a lot of people, as I said, the students, but also graduated doctors, still have an issue with how to do this. Uh, some people aren't out in their profession. Um, others are very out, like me. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a professional lesbian, basically. <laughs> so I get paid to be a lesbian, you know, in my clinic, and it sort of helps a lot because I can just see myself. And so we have discussions about this all the time. So we thought, okay, let's do a whole theme on this. Uh, we're doing sessions on being non-binary. Uh, we've got a big panel of non-binary doctors and med students who are talking about their experience. Uh, another one on... Um, gender diversity just generally, uh, another on neurodiversity. So, you know, we're trying to look at all those intersecting uh, identities that we bring with us and how we can blend that with being medical um, and still feel like we're comfortable in our own skin, um, but, you know, seeing patients without feeling compromised, basically. And you've talked about just, you know, the, the, the conference has also uh, shifted to become more of an inclusive content. But what, what else can we expect at the conference this year? Yeah, look, we've got a big program. Um, as you know, Rachel, you're coming on for the um, drug and alcohol session, which will be fun. Uh, that's 
a bit of research and a bit of practice and a bit of, you know, what can we do better um, in alcohol and drug uh, healthcare. Uh, there's a whole session looking at trans issues, hot topic, of course, but uh, we've got uh, Tram Nguyen coming from the RCH, the Children's Hospital Gender Clinic, talking about what's new in, in care for young people. Um, we've got a whole session on resilience and mental health on the Sunday, uh, looking at suicidality, which is really important. Um, and it's coming from Switchboard to talk about their work on prevention, uh, suicide prevention, which is amazing. Um, oh, look, so many topics I can hardly think of them all. <laughs> you know, it'll be it'll be fun to sort of delve deeply into some of these areas. And I think the doctors who come, you know, most of them don't work in LGBT healthcare, but they work in mainstream settings where there's really so little education around LGBTIQ health. Uh, and so, you know, they often come with this really urgent need to understand what are the specific issues for LGBTQ people, how can they make a difference in their own workplace. So, you know, that's some of what we talk about these days. Uh, just, you know, what's the latest research? What should we be doing differently around inclusive practice? Um, yeah. That's a fun program. I suppose, what are some of the trends you've seen at the conference over the years? What areas and issues have have potentially emerged more recently? Hmm. Well, I mean, like in the LGBTIQ community more broadly, we're seeing a lot more diversity. So, you know, I remember the second or third conference, we had a big discussion about bisexuality and whether Alma should be inclusive of bisexual women. I think, oh my God, like 20 years later, how could we have even thought that was a, <laughs> a good thing to talk about? Like it's a no-brainer. Uh, and then more recently, um, issues of gender diversity and you know, this year having a big panel on non-binary issues is the first. Uh, we haven't really discussed non-binary uh, gender identity at all. Uh, and yet increasing numbers of our membership are non-binary uh, and using they, them pronouns and being fairly out in their profession as well. So I'm very happy to see that development with Alma. You know, obviously we have to grow with the times and, and diversify as needed. Uh, you know, there's a lot more women of colour in the group now. Uh, we've got a big session on women of colour and how that intersects with sexuality, gender and medicine. So, you know, I think as we grapple with the new and emerging identities in our community, uh, we need to be sure we're being as open and inclusive as we can for, the, for the, our membership as well. It's interesting is that point you made that 20 years ago discussing whether you should be inclusive of bisexual women and looking back on that now in horror, you know, as you know, as many of us yeah. do with conversations that were happening then. But what were some of the topics that were central um, points of discussion 20 years ago that we're actually still talking about? Mm. Um, well, parenting's one. I remember doing several sessions on parenting you know, 20, 15 years ago when I was doing a lot of research in the area. Uh, and at that point, it was basically lesbian parenting, uh, whereas now we've got a whole session on trans parenting. So, you know, the topic is the same, but the subgroup is diversifying. And again, I think that's really exciting, you know, cutting-edge issue around how do you make the healthcare system much more inclusive for trans and non-binary people who want to have pregnancies, who want to parent, um, who want to do it differently. Um, I mean, some of the other issues, mental health come up 
repeatedly over the years as a really hot topic around, you know, how do we support our own mental health, but also how do we um, improve mental health care for LGBTIQ people. And, you know, that isn't going away, sadly. Uh, we still see huge numbers of people who have uh, mental health issues, suicidality and so on. Uh, and we really need to be much more responsive to that and understand it better. And what about the topics that have become perhaps less significant than they were 20 years ago? Um, I can't think of anything that's less... You know, we, we keep revisiting the same things and in some ways I'm feeling uh, frustrated by that because, you know, even lesbian parenting, I mean, if we revisit that now... We still have the same issues around uh, difficulty for the non-birth parent to be engaged and involved in the healthcare system. You know, they're often excluded. And I'm thinking, why hasn't why hasn't this improved after all of our discussion and after trying to train people up? It's just this whole issue of the lack of focus still, um, even now, in healthcare, no matter what level you're looking at, whether it's student level up through vocational training and so on. So we've got a lot to do, and I think this is another area that Alma has often done some work in around medical education. Uh, you know, the students are always really up for it, trying to get go back to their medical schools and demand more more content around LGBTIQ. And uh, we've worked with AMSA, the Australian Medical Student Association, over the years. You know, we submitted a application or a, a recommendation to the Australian Medical Council when they were looking at their new guidelines for what should be in medical courses uh, around it should be much more inclusive of LGBTIQ and that has now just been released this year and there is a little bit more. I'm not wrapped with it but, you know, it's getting there. So I'm afraid to say all the things we talk about are still, uh, still needing discussion. Here on Well, 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 you were Jack and Rachel were speaking with uh, Dr. Ruth McNair from the University of Melbourne, speaking about the ALMA conference. Stick around, we've got more coming up in just a moment. From HIV to COVID-19, STIs and everything in between, you're listening to Well, Well, Well on Joy and the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with Dr. Ruth McNair about the ALMA conference, which is coming up next week. Ruth, can you tell us what you will be presenting um, on at the conference? Uh-huh. One of my favourite topics, which is STIs, between women and sex with women and non-binary people. So I'm just going to do an update on what's new and different, what's out there, what are we doing for safe sex messaging, um, you know, things around bacterial vaginosis and papillomavirus. So that'll be fun. Um, also presenting with Marion Saville, who chairs the National Cycle Screening uh, Panel. And you're probably all aware that the it is now okay for all people with a cervix to have to do a self test for their cervical screen, uh, and we're encouraging that. So we're presenting that information to the conference. Everyone will get a self screening kit in their conference bag. You know why not? <laughs> Go off and do their self screen at lunchtime, and we're you know excited to get that out there because I think from whoever it was. July last year, I think, uh, oh no, July this year, we've been able to do this and it's been a revolution, just so much easier and more comfortable for, you know, a lot of my transmasculine patients 
who are doing their self-screen. They don't have to have a spectacle exam. Uh, some of my older lesbian patients too, you know, really suits a lot of people. So that'll be a good one. I guess besides that self-screening test, what do you hope uh, people take away from the conference and, and can anyone attend? Uh, no, everyone can't attend. It's specifically for lesbian, uh, bi and non-binary doctors and medical students who are members of ALMA and their partners. So it's a very closed uh, conference. We do that deliberately to keep it safe, um, to allow these discussions that are so critical for our personal and professional development. So, yeah, I mean, if people are out there and they're in the medical profession, haven't heard of us and want to join up and come to the conference, you're very welcome. We have a large venue. We're expanding as we speak. Um, But, yeah, if you happen not to be in the medical profession, sorry, you can't come. Um. What I wanted to also talk to you about, Ruth, because we, we we have you on this show, and you know, and obviously you and I have um, um, had many conversations around LGBTIQ women's health, and we always talk in, I guess, around the issues and facts and figures and campaigns and 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 research. But I wanted to actually talk to you about some, I guess, per- personally for you, what was it that drew you to medicine? Uh yeah, look, it was to, you know, that classic thing when you're 16, you just wanted to help people. Um, I think I'd watched too many missionary films. I, I imagined myself out there in the field, you know, battling away with the mosquitoes and the syringes. And anyway, yeah, I did my medical elective in Papua New Guinea and I haven't done any uh, international medicine since. <laughs> um, although I did work in Central Australia for a while. So, you know, it worked. But yeah, I just wanted to, I felt like I wanted to use my brain, but also to help, um, I guess, people's lives individually. And then when I got into medicine, I realized, well, especially when I came out the other end, actually, I was practicing as a GP and I realized we can have a lot more influence around public health and uh, policy and I guess getting the system right. So yeah, since I've graduated, I've worked more and more in that area as well which has been really rewarding, actually. Is there a specific area of medicine, I suppose, that you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, LBQ Women's Health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, anything to do with LGBTIQ, actually. I mean, it's, I've, if you look at my research career, I've gone all over the place because there's just so many things you can do. I mean, homelessness, more recently, refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, yeah, parenting, obviously, was a big one for me many years so it's just yeah as Rachel and I both know there's so much you can do and uh, I sort of delve into things for a while and, and get really in depth and then publish a bit and move to the next thing that hasn't been done yet so that's such a privilege to be able to do that in this community. Yeah. And have you seen attitudes towards LGBTIQ women's health change over your career? You know, is, is there a growing acceptance that this cohort faces specific health challenges? Yeah, there is. And I, I think, I mean, now I'm on this 10-year action plan development for the federal government, and that's the first time federal government have actually done something global around LGBTIQ health. Uh, and we're seeing hopefully that the census will include real questions that cover our whole population. We're very hopeful about that in the next census. So I think we're getting movement around understanding that this subgroup of the Australian population needs 
additional attention uh, to improve our health inequalities, to improve the health promotion that we do. Um, you know, groups like Thorn Harbour and ACON and the smaller LGBTIQ-specific groups in each state and territory have made a difference because, you know, they've worked hard over the years to try and encourage mainstream services to be inclusive and uh, more and more trainings out there. So, yeah, I think we're seeing a shift. It's been a, a slow, hot, hard slog, but it's been worth it because I think we're getting some traction in policy and in practice as well. So, hooray. <laughs> you kind of alluded a little bit to um, better understanding of... Uh, I guess, our LGBTIQ communities across Australia. What do you think are some of the key areas of um, LGBTIQ health we should be focusing on, I suppose, in the near future? Mm. Uh, I think neurodiversity is a huge topic uh, for understanding and not pathologizing, but really understanding how that intersects with LGBTIQ people, which it very much does, and how we can support neurodiverse people in the health system much better. Um, I mean, obviously, I've been very involved with refugees and asylum seekers in the last few years, and their health and well-being uh, needs are not being met at all. I would say at the moment, apart from tiny pockets of basically LGBTQ-led uh, support, and that's something that needs to step up. The refugee services need to improve. Uh, yeah, the intake system in terms of Immigration needs to improve. So I think that's a really uh, vital group of people and we're seeing actually now more LGBTIQ refugees coming into Australia on humanitarian visas, thank goodness, at last, uh, as the federal government have started to realise this is a specific vulnerable subgroup that needs to be supported. If there are any, I suppose, practitioners uh, that uh, would be interested in attending the ALMA conference, uh, lesbian, bisexual women... Um, non-binary folk uh, where can they find that more Ruth? Uh, you just go to our, our website so it's almas.org.au uh, and you can sign up there as a member and then um, you get a phone call from our membership secretary just to check in and make sure you're legit and you know and then they she takes it to the board and it all happens really quickly so within a couple of days you remember and then you can sign up for the conference so yes there's still time if you'd like to maybe we'll hit 100 that'd be amazing exciting uh dr ruth mcnair from the university of melbourne thank you so much for joining us this week on well 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 it's a pleasure thanks jack thanks rachel you're getting well 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 with the team from thorn harbour health that's all for the show this week. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us. Uh, speaking of important research, the Australian Research Centre for Sex, Health and Society, or ARCHES, uh, they have a seminar coming up on August 16th about trans healthcare and rights in Indonesia. This seminar will be presented by Dr. Ben Hegarty and Dr. Allegra Walter as part of a series by ARCHES about relevant issues in sexuality and gender. More information can be found on the La Trobe University events page, or you can check out ARCHES, A-R-C-S-H-S, on social media. In addition, uh, if you're 
keen on registering for the Women's Health Conference, uh, you can keep an eye out for registrations opening soon at the website. I believe it is lbq.org.au. You can uh, check out uh, registrations opening soon there. Uh, if you've missed part of this episode uh, or en- want to catch up on other episodes, you can check out the podcast at joy.org.au slash If you have any uh, suggestions for topics or questions for us, you can send them to wellwellwell at joy.org.au as well. Uh, But that's all for the show this week. Thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It's been great doing this show with you again. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.